I, I'm getting so old that I cannot stay up. So I have no idea what happened last night. Oh. <laughs> Cleveland won? So everybody's happy today because the Buckies won and the Tribe won. And how cool. All right. Well, uh, this is a class that... Remind me, next Sunday time change. Okay. Cindy has asked me to remind you that next Sunday is the time change. Right? So uh, also, um, next Sunday will be our bonus class. Zev and I have agreed to make five-minute uh, presentations at the beginning to share what we've learned through this whole journey, and then we're going to open it up to any questions that you have. It'll be a total free-for-all, and it'll be fun. So we'll look forward to that. Today, uh, did you all get a handout? Yes? Anybody need one? Yes. You really need this. This is going to be uh, a different kind of a class. It's going to be interactive skits done by definitely not ready for primetime players. In fact, people that did not even rehearse. Uh, and, but the players of today are Master Zev playing Peter. Okay? Master Jay playing Barnabas. And uh, I get to play two parts. Uh, at one point, I will play Paul, and at one point, I will play James. I also need the three tallest guys in the room to identify themselves right now, because when we get to that place, I mean, one of them's a given. I know that. But uh, I will take the, the judge and his son, and I need one other uh, besides Zev. Who? What time? Are you at least 6'2"? Whoa! Okay, you, you, and you, when I call you, then when I'm James, you will come. Oh, you don't have to do anything. Just stand there and be uh, looking authoritative as you are. Okay? Um, and so, let me give you a little orientation to the situation up here. Today in the class, you're going to see a passage in the book of Galatians chapter 2, and that's why you really need this because it's going to go pop, 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 pop. You can ask questions at any time, but you need these texts to be able to follow along. So skip one, skip two. It tells you the key passages. But in one of them, Galatians 2, you're going to see Paul use a term, and it's the classic term hypocrite. Now, this word gets bandied about in our society so much, and, of course, it always gets flung on to mostly the Christians, and why is that? Yeah, murmur, murmur, murmur. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, we're carrying this uh, enormous burden. We're supposed to be, end quote, perfect. We're trying hard. We're not. We're like Peter. We find out that uh, a real heart response to the Lord Jesus, even as believers a lot of times, is, depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful person. And, of course, Jesus keeps working with us, even though we fail, but the worldlings look at us and they say simply what? They don't see all the machinations going on inside of us. They simply see what? You, your failures, your fault. Ah, that's not hypocrisy. 
So I want to I clarify. That's just called uh, what? Humanity. Or uh, just called um, failing or just called having a problem or a glitch. It's like Dan Moretta's golf swing. Just <laughs> but hypocrisy really came from a Greek word that meant to wear a mask. This is my one buck special from dollar special. To wear a mask, yes, and it came from the Greek theater. And guess what this was called that the players wore? A persona. Okay, a persona. So this was the person, the, the person that was being, so a player, which is what they're called, a player who's playing a play in a play and playing a part would put on a persona, and when they do that, then they're playing that play. That was what the technical word of Hippocrates meant. Did you know that? So it, it just means to, to act a, a way that may not be the real way that you feel or are. And when it, that's normal hypocrisy. That's just being human. Because let's face it, we all do that. Uh, I know some people say, what you see is what you get. Really? <laughs> Come on. We all put a little mask on just to be quasi-civilized at times. But that's not bad hypocrisy. Bad hypocrisy is when you brazenly, blatantly, openly live one way and act like you are another way. And of course, this is what the master had the problem with, with who? Certain people of a religious persuasion who were so bound up in being perfect that they found themselves almost having to do what? Pop just to handle it. I'm not justifying it, I'm just saying that's what happened to them. So when we use that today, you'll understand. Now, for the rest of this class, for all intents and purposes, this table right here, and actually you shouldn't be sitting here either. Can we have one other person come up here? One other soul. My young friend, come. I, I won't hurt you, please. Just come. Sit here. You, look, you look awesome. Perfect. Okay, this stands for G for... Gentiles, yes, and of course this is their table and their eating, and um, it's the best I could do. What does it look like to you? A pig. Thank you. At first I thought it was a mouse, but dollar store didn't have a, quite the array of toys that I thought they would. All right then, bacon sandwiches. For the rest of this class, for all intents and purposes, kosher, kashrut, the Jews. Kosher. Hey, do you did you ever go? Do you go to the stores and look in the? Uh, do you ever look at the meat products and you you search for there and you find that little tiny K? Did you ever do that? No. But. <laughs> I'm not Jewish either, but I look for that K because I know that some rabbi supervised the, the killing of that meat and it was done according to cash root laws, meaning that the animals were killed humanely and, the, and the, what it says is in there is in there because it's a matter of Jewish ritual purity. And so the only dog I will eat is a Hebrew national. <laughs> I'm not going to eat one of those Gentile dogs, no way. 
<laughs> we answer to a higher authority. Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay, so, um, kosher? Yes. And Moses. Perfect. You just threw Moses in there, huh? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> now, here we go. I want you to look at the introductory questions that are cited at the top of your uh, uh, passage pa page there. Uh, Acts uh, 11, 1 through 3 and uh, Acts eleven eighteen. 18. Uh, Jay, uh, find a reader for us. And I would need somebody to read those two texts. And uh, the question is, what is Peter doing here? And I had asked you to read Acts 10 through 11 when the Browns were getting slaughtered last week. And I don't know if you did it, but it's okay, we'll catch up. Acts 10 and 11 is the story, which we studied last week. Acts 11, 1 through 3, and Acts 11, 18, the question is, what is Peter doing? Readers. 11, 1 through 3. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard and also had received the word of God. So when Peter went back to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. 18. When they heard this, they had no further <coughs> objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, when does this take place? Where is this? Jerusalem. What just happened? When they heard this, from verse 4 through verse 17, is Peter telling them something? What was he telling them? Do you remember from last week? What happened at Joppa? <coughs> Cornelius? Where are the Gentiles? <coughs> Peter was sent to the Gentiles, to Cornelius, after he had a vision in which God said what? Everything is clean now. These distinctions <coughs> are no longer in your mind. Don't think about them. And on top of that, I want you to go over to an Italian's house. I always say Italian because Dan's in the class. <laughs> so Peter goes there, heralds the good news. What happens to them? No altar call? No invitation? Even just while the good news is being heralded that Jesus is alive and died on the cross and rose again, the Holy Spirit comes, which means what happened. They, as they were hearing, were receiving and believing. They received Jesus even as he was heralding, and they received the Holy Spirit, and Peter's conclusion was, who can forbid these people to be baptized and recognized as Christians since they received the Holy Spirit, the same way that we did, and now I understand what God is saying. All people are clean. Everybody's open to receive Jesus. These categories no longer exist. And he sat down for the first time in his life and had... I mean, he was like, man, I want to... Uh, uh, what did he want? Uh, 
bagel and cream cheese? Did they have it back then? I don't know. What, what did he want? He really wanted... Uh, prosciutto di Parma. Okay, but he got... A bacon sandwich and sausage and all kinds of stuff that he had never eaten before. The first time in his life he's ever tasted this food. Okay, so now we're... But what happens? The people in Jerusalem... Now, these people are believers in Jesus, and they're Jewish. They hear Peter has done what? You actually went? You actually went into an Italian's house? Are you serious? That's one violation right there. Number two, you actually ate with them? That's another. And number three, you're like, what, considering them part of the family? They're not even, they're not circumcised. So what is he doing in chapter 11? Look back at the text now. We saw the first part, I just explained it to you. They call Peter, they call Peter, the apostle, the leader of the church, Jesus' main man. They call him there to Jerusalem and say, they didn't say dude, but, you know, dude, what are you doing? And so Peter, in chapter 11, does what? He explains the vision. He explains exactly what happened. He tells the whole thing all over again. I mean, chapter 11 is virtually a repeat, I think. I know Luke didn't have um, copy and paste, but that, you know, essentially that's what he did. He just copied sections of 10 and pasted it into 11. And Peter tells the whole story. And at the end, the funniest line in the whole book of Acts is what? The Jews over here... They hear this story, and they go, even, well, God has granted repentance, even, even. So that tells you where they were at at that point in their state of consciousness. Jesus is for who? No, before. Before you say even, it was for Jews. Now, Peter has through the Holy Spirit, opened their minds, and they've migrated grudgingly, albeit, to the position, what? God's even going to be generous enough to let the goyim, the Gentiles, in? Wow. So that, that gives you the backdrop. Now, let's start the skits. <coughs> They're going to be short, quick, and to the point. J, number one, J, and sorry for my voice. <coughs> J is Barnabas speaking from. J, come on. And if you're following, Acts 8 1 and 11 19 through 21, right there. ready for prime time. Did everybody hear that? What? <coughs> Shalom, my name is Barnabas, and I'm here to tell you what happened soon after our brother Stefan 
was killed by Saul and his followers. Let's go to Acts 8.1. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Act 11, 19, 21. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Antioch, speaking the words to no one except the Jews alone. But there was some of them, men of Cyprus, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the, G the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. A large number who believed turned to the Lord. Acts 11, 22 through 25. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they of God, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them, all with resolute, resolute hearts, to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. A considerable number were brought to the Lord, and he left for Taurus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. The disciples were the first called Christians in Antioch. Comedy. Why'd you bring me here? I'll tell you why. These people need what? To hear your message. Yes, they're Gentiles. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, but he was not what? The very best one he can find. Oh. And here's what Paul would have said to them for a year. I'm reading from Galatians 3. <clears throat> Therefore the law was our tutor, our teacher, until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under the law. Do Gentiles understand that? You don't have to keep the law. <clears throat> But now that faith has come, we're no longer subject to a disciplinarian or a tutor. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. How are you children of God? Faith. By faith. 
as many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Have you been baptized into Christ? <coughs> as if you're in a play. <laughs> yes. So who is on you? Christ is on you. You're clothed with Christ. There is no longer any Jew or Greek. Slave or free, male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's babies, heirs according to the promise. Who are you? You're part of God's chosen people. Who's your father in the, in, in the, the spiritual realm? Abraham. Abraham. Who's your savior? Jesus. Jesus. Are you under the law anymore? No. no. So, bon appetit. <laughs> and now, Paul could do what? Go and sit and eat with them. Now, do you understand what Paul is telling them? He's telling them what? This Jew-Gentile thing? So when you look at each other, you're not supposed to say, ah, there goes a Jew, or there goes a Gentile. You're supposed to say what? There goes my family in Christ. Woo. This is big. And then Paul goes someplace on his journeys, and then guess who comes to Antioch? Peter. Okay, you guys, what are you still doing at this table? <laughs> okay, you all heard what happened. I was in Joppa praying in the spirit, and then I had a sort of trance, and in that trance, I had a vision of a great sheet being let down from heaven, and it was full of wild animals, predators, reptiles, all kinds of birds of prey, and I heard a voice saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. These are all unkosher species. And I said, oh, no, Lord, I could never do that. Nothing unclean or common has ever passed my lips. And the voice said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, this happened three times. Then the whole vision was taken up into heaven. At that very moment, three men came from a centurion named Cornelius, an Italian in Caesarea, the Roman capital here in Judea, and they asked me to come to uh, them. And the Spirit said to me, go with them, don't hesitate. I took six of the brothers from Joppa with me, and we entered the house, and their centurion told me how he had seen a vision of an angel who came to him and said, send to a house in Joppa for, for Peter, Simon, who was called Peter, and he will explain to you the way of life. And I was still speaking when the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as it had on us. So then I really understood that God shows no partiality but that in every generation, in every nation, anyone who does what is right and who fears God is acceptable to him. 
So I, I, you, re, you know, really know what we need to do? We need to just sort of take care of, can we move these tables together? You, can you all help me move this table over here? No, 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 you're not moving. They're moving. <laughs> okay, so now, what are we all doing? We're all eating together, which means doesn't matter whether we're having lamb, doesn't matter whether we're having pig, it's all one big meal, isn't it? Okay, do you get what's happening here? Because after Paul has explained to them that we, including we Jews, are no longer under the law, we'll put Moses to sleep. He's done his job. Okay, and now we can sit down together at one table and have a great meal, which by the way, why was it important to eat together? What were they doing when they had meals together? What? Not just fellowship. This was the Lord's Supper. This was communion. Communion was essentially a matter of having the potluck supper together. And in the process, celebrating the Lord, we proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes by eating the bread, drinking the wine. So this was a major issue for the church. Any questions at this point? So I'm sitting down here. Pretty good ham, huh? <laughs> so then this is what happened then soon after Peter came to Antioch. Some of the men down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. But some of them, some of the sect of the Pharisees, who had believed, stood up, saying, it is necessary to be circumcised. Circumcise them, and to direct them to the observation, to observe Moses' law. But when Cyphus came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned for, a period, for prior to coming to certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing that the party of the circumcision, the rest of the Jews joined him in their hypocrisy with the re result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Yes, come with me. I am now playing the role of James. 
this is uh, Nathaniel, Yaakov, and Zev. Peter, could I speak with you for a moment, please? Yes? I've brought the brothers from Jerusalem, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you realize this or not, but they are in great turmoil. Many of them have come to faith in our Lord Jesus, but they still think that we should keep the Torah law. They firmly believe this, and they're greatly concerned when they see you eating with uncircumcised Gentiles, breaking kosher law. You're you're inducing within them an attitude towards the Torah that seems to be uh, making it irrelevant. how can you do this? This is, uh, our church in Jerusalem is just a little baby church just starting to grow. It's going to destroy everybody if they think that the Torah in Moses doesn't mean anything. You can't do this. Well, what do you want me to do? We want you to set an example for the Gentiles. We want you to live in front of them as a Torah-observing Jesus follower, so that they understand Jesus is the first step into a life of keeping the Torah as God commanded us. Are you saying then that what I experienced in Joppa was just like a first step? It's okay for you to understand that eventually maybe these Gentiles won't keep the Torah exactly the way we do right now, but for right now. And you're saying that as a Jew, I have to keep the Torah? Yes. Belief in Jesus doesn't release us from the Torah. It releases us into the Torah so that we can really keep it now. So we want you to go back and live among these Gentiles as a Torah-observing Jesus follower. But I have really formed a bond with these people. You can have the bond. But I can't eat at the same table. No. Have them come to your table and feed them kosher food. Teach them how to walk into the Torah. Okay, if you say so. Come on, guys. Thank you, I think we've straightened them out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I was a little over eager at first. Can we uh, <clears throat> can we move this table a little bit away? Maybe a little farther. Okay. It doesn't fit over the glasses, but there we go.
Have a seat at your table. What's going on here? He defected back. Peer pressure. Does it matter? It matters. Why? If you guys want to come and join us, you can. But I'm afraid I can't eat with you anymore. That's the law. That's what the law says. Can't be eating lizards and stuff like that. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, private visions. Uh, it's fine for him to believe that uh, God's, uh, you know, working a new plan out for the Gentiles to come in. But certainly it can't be done at the expense of the law. That can't be right. It must be a misinterpretation. Yes, Gentiles can come in, but on the terms of what? The Torah. Look. <laughs> okay, look. This is what James also told me. They have faith. That's one witness. They really want to be sure about this. They, ha they have baptism. That's one witness. But they need circumcision in Torah. That's three witnesses. And that really establishes their faith. All right, any other questions on that skit? All right, follow, skit four. Paul comes back to Antioch. Now I get to play who? Paul. James has gone back to Jerusalem. Paul comes back into town. He's looking forward to what? Ham biscuits. <laughs> I got to tell the rest of you what happened. Follow with me. Galatians 2, 11. When Cephas, Simon, Rocky, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood, here the language is tough. It says condemned, but it doesn't mean condemned in that sense. It means conflicted and caught in an existential glitch. Trust me on that, because why? In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So he's not talking about justificational condemnation or that. He's saying, he, I opposed him to his face because he was caught in a, a conflict. And he was not on the right side. Because before certain men came from James, he used to do what? He openly ate with them. But after they arrived and had their little chat, Peter did what? He drew back and separated himself from the Gentiles. 
Because why? He was afraid of those people that had come from Jerusalem. Then the other Jews that were in Antioch joined him in his, what does your text say? Hypocrisy. Remember what I told you about that. This isn't nasty hypocrisy. It's episodic, human, lose your nerve, play a role for a while because you're in a glitch kind of hypocrisy. In fact, the every, what happened then? All of the Jews went over to this table, even Barnabas got persuaded by the people from James that he had made sort of like a little bit of an error in bringing Paul there in the first place because it had created this whole scenario. And when he saw how upset everybody was from Jerusalem, then what did he do? He's with Peter and eats lamb again. Okay, you see what's going on here? So this is what Paul, what I did then. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, and that's a very important line, I said to Peter in front of everybody, you know, here's the thing. I don't know how to channel this. Was he ticked off? Was he, was he passionate? Or was he brokenhearted? I don't want to create a false impression. What do you think? I'm going to do broken part hearted. Peter, you are a Jew. Yet you're living like a Gentile. And not like a Jew. You had your vision. You've been set free. How is it now that you are making these people submit to kosher law and live like a Jew? How can you do that? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, we know a person's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. And we too, Jews, have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we might be justified faith. Faith in Christ and not in works of the law because by the works of the law no one will be justified. We know this. You see what you're doing. I can now. Act 5. Where are my lines here? Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? 
but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. It's time to move back. <laughs> and so concludes the not ready for primetime players. Now you can... <laughs> Now you can ask any question that you want of Zev and I in the 10 minutes that we have remaining so that we can process this flow and what was really going on and what the real issue is. But I think there's three things that I'll point out to you and then you can say whatever you want. There's the issue of um, Peter himself as a human being. We can explore that existentially because we've been doing that through this whole course. What does Peter in this episode teach us about us as humans? What can we learn? Number two... There is the issue of what? The big issue. Bigger than Peter. What's the gospel? What's the gospel? Yeah, it's for everyone. But what is it? Because at the heart of this whole episode is, what is it that we are announcing to people in this world as God's message? And if we get it wrong... Faith in Christ not works... So we'll talk about either one. Who wants to start? And we need somebody to run with the mic. Peter, as a human, what can we learn? Gospel, what is it? Who wants to start? Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Yeah, he's everything. He's the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so um, the position that um, uh, uh, Paul took is that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is sufficient in of, of itself to satisfy God's requirements of holiness and justice. And therefore, once you receive Christ, you're no longer under the strictures of the law. You're set free, and therefore you don't even have to keep the ceremonial law anymore. And then the good news is that the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and does what? Romans 8, 4. Those who walk according to the Spirit... Do, they fulfill the essence of the law, the, the, the essence of what Moses taught us. And what was the essence of what Moses taught us? What's the core of the law? What did the master say? Love God with all your being. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what does the master do? Jesus, when he comes and institutes a new covenant, he says, I'm giving you a new covenant, a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. So love, love, love. It's still at the heart so that when somebody becomes a believer in Jesus, it's not like they have to follow each of the codes anymore because it gets replaced with what? The Holy Spirit who comes into the person who then inspires them to do what? Love, love, love. Not because you're following a code, but because you're in contact with a person, the risen Christ. Does that make sense? Get the mic to him. Even after Peter was prophetically inspired, right? Mm -hmm. He had to fight, he had to struggle. Faith and grace are still hard work. And I think so many times as humans, we want it to be given to us and simple and to sit there and adorn us like a P 
piece of jewelry, but he had to work and fight against his upbringing, the natural world, the peer pressure. And faith, even as small as a mustard seed, must have some meaning. You know, that's how hard it is for us to live by faith because we only need a touch to do great things. But faith and grace are still a struggle. There's still a fight, and we still have yeah. to we still have to overcome our, our our natural world, our background. Okay, let me just say this about because part of what I'm really getting out of this whole experience with John is I've always identified very much with Paul, and all of a sudden I'm beginning to see my Petrine self. <laughs> okay, and. It's almost impossible to imagine this from a Jewish perspective unless you've been there, and I have. And that's why 12 years ago, I reached the point where I thought, okay, I am still a Jew. I'm still a Jew. I may not be Orthodox, but I'm still a Jew. And that means I've been circumcised. That means I am a bar mitzvah, a child of the commandment. And that means I have to go back to my own people. And I found in Reform Judaism a standard of observance that I felt I could live with. And I tried it for nine years. The pull of the past is overwhelming, okay? Um, Years ago, there was a book that was published um, called, uh, in honor and memory of Daniel Pearl called I Am Jewish. Those were his last words, the journalist Daniel Pearl, who was killed in, in Pakistan. And it's all these different prominent Jewish people throughout the world talking about what it meant for them to be Jewish. And in one of his sermons, Rabbi Spitzer, you know, shared a couple of those and then encouraged each of us to come up with our own version of this. And the thing that immediately popped into my head is I have a goodly heritage. I have a goodly heritage. And I thought at one point I needed not only to re-enter that, but that that would be enough. I found it wasn't so. I found that I needed a God with a human face and a human heart. And I could only find that in Jesus Christ. And now there's something very different about the way in which I approach the gospel. I recognize that, hey, there's no going back. There is no going back. I'm all in now. And that means, yes, I have a goodly heritage and I can use it to enrich my understanding of the teaching of scripture and the teaching of the gospel. But not only can I not impose it on Gentiles, I'm free from it myself. Now, I'm free from it myself. Let, let's do this thing that we talked about on Wednesday. Uh, tell them as a Jew what that means. Galatia. I'm going to tell you as a, as a goy what Galatians 6.15 means to me. Okay. And you're going to see the striking okay. come together. So what I've really realized on a deeper level in great Galatians 20, and this one actually I've been living with now, and a couple of verses actually, I through the law, through the Torah, died to the Torah that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness came through the law, through the Torah, then Christ died to no purpose. Okay. So as a Jewish person, this was absolutely encoded into your consciousness from birth, as Peter and the rest of them would have had. But in his case, being a modern Jew, big time encoding, I mean perfect encoding, instruction, teaching, education, to the maximum degree. So that's quite a... Wrong table. I'm, oh. <laughs> That's quite a load to carry, and he was, we were talking about Peter and how, the, how they, yeah, Dan Wright, how do you get out of all this programming? And I said to him, well, yeah, this is really a text that really has a lot of pertinence to a Jewish person. And I said, let's go over to Galatians 6.15, the one that has pertinence to just Gentiles in general. And there Paul says something pretty interesting, and you'll see the commonality. But God forbid that I should boast in anything except in the cross of Christ by which the world is crucified to me and I am crucified to the world. You see the corollary here? What's he talking about here? Not crucified to the law, but what? By which the world is crucified to me and I to the world. What does he mean? Not the law. That was Zev's text. What does that mean, crucified to the world? When the New Testament uses the term world here, and I was very distressed about it when I first became a Christian because I was a hippie and I loved nature, and when the Bible said don't love the world, neither the things in the world, I thought it meant don't love the flowers and the mountains and the streams. So I was bummed. But I found out later on that that's not what it's talking about. The world is not the natural world. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What's he talking about? What world? This system, this world that we live in, this mental template, this construction of reality that is called the world, the world system that the New Testament says who is in charge of? Satan. And that is encoded into a goy's head like me. And I didn't go to church my tutor in life wasn't the Torah, it was Hugh Hefner. That's a bummer. Seriously, that's what I read, the world. So then when I become a Christian, I don't have to crucify the Torah. I didn't have any Torah in me to get crucified. What, did it have, what, had, to get crucif what had to be crucified? So Jew and Gentile, Dan, both have their programming. Yeah. In other words, forget about the K, <laughs> all right? <laughs> the fact is we are all faced with something in our encoding, in our education, in our upbringing that has to be crucified. But the temptation when push comes to shove is to do what? To put on the mask. 
to put on the mask, whatever the mask may be. We have one minute left. Yes, sir. Well, if you take Paul's account of it in Galatians chapter 1, he specifically says, no man, and he makes it very clear, no human taught me the gospel. I learned it personally and directly from the Lord Jesus Christ up in Arabia for three years. So after he got converted, he was so, such a problem that they put him on a boat and got him out of town. And he went up to Arabia and had his own private Jesus seminar for three years. Then 14 years later, he came up to Jerusalem and met Peter. And by that time, the Holy Spirit had brought them to a commonality. Except when push came to shove, Peter did what? Just for a little time. But like my grandmother used to say, the German, the, the five-language scholar, after I became a Christian, uh, she never said one word about Jesus in the 20 years that I had been with her. A saintly person, but never said one word about God or religion. High, high German family, you don't, talk about, you don't talk about religion, politics, money, or sex. That was the old school. Now we talk about it all openly on TV. No, when I grew up, you didn't talk about any of that stuff. So my grandmother, I didn't know she was a Christian. So after I became a Christian, I went home. I'm going to convert my grandmother. I go in there. Grandma, you won't believe what happened to me. I became a Christian. Blah, blah. So in her typical Grandma set fashion, sat down in a soft chair. We sat in there. And for 90 minutes, she gave me a tour de force uh, lesson on the book of Acts and concluded with, if it had not been for the Apostle Paul, we'd all be Jewish and eating kosher today. 90 minutes. And then I got her New Testament book that she had had in college in 1911. And I read it and saw the notes. So, do you understand what you learned today? If it had not been for this episode in Christian history, guess where you'd be going to lunch today? We Not to Red Lobster. <laughs> and you'd all be keeping the law. We used to jokingly say when I was growing up, roses are reddish, violets are bluish. If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd all be Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. God bless you. Thank you for coming. See you next week. Don't forget to bring your questions. Lots of questions next week. Okay. Bye-bye.